You are listening to Femme Fatale, the New York City edition on Dublin Digital Radio. That is right, the show has returned in full force, except with a New York City tinge. I am Sophie Murphy, and for any of our new listeners out there, uh, the show aims to bring to the foreground some spectacular female artists to discuss some of their conceptual underpinnings to their work. And indeed, for today's edition, uh, there are many of those to discuss in just a minute. But it just occurred to me recently that I never actually discussed the origin of the name of the show, Femme Fatale. It is a totally plagiarized name, uh, one from the 19th century French writer known as Guy de Maupassant. Um, To be honest, I wasn't a huge reader uh, due to chronic dyslexia. Um, However, I was particularly struck by his work, uh, probably because um, he's known as being the king of the short story, which for a dyslexic is um, is definitely a, an appealing element. Um, the less words, the, 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 the better, I suppose. Um, but yes, Femme Fatale um, is one of his, one of his many, many short stories. He wrote hundreds and um, it just captivated me about how he uh, depicted the, the power of the female force. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely a corny reason, but um, it's a reason nonetheless. And um, yeah, so there you go. That that is that's the etymological stance on the name of the show. Um, but we will not hesitate any longer. Without further ado, I shall introduce today's guest, Emma Stern, uh, who I essentially uh, met on Instagram. Um, yeah, like the majority of the humans I I meet here in New York uh, is either on the street or um or through some home feed I suppose or a combination of the two I guess Emma Emma fits into that latter category absolutely um but yeah I'm currently situated in her her glorious Bushwick studio and for any of our Irish listeners listening out there uh Bushwick is essentially like a how do I how do I it's like a million South William streets like sellotaped together um I'd probably deserve to get slapped for for saying that but um yeah ultimately that that depicts a a pretty picture or a pretty accurate picture rather um so yeah Emma is a fine artist who expresses herself mostly through the medium of paint um glorious paint um I'm sitting here with with Emma to my left and uh we're sitting on um springs (laughs) <laughs> ultimately like what are these chairs Emma they're stability stools and uh my friend Michael who rents me this studio was gonna throw them out and ask me if I wanted them and I said yes please okay so like the ironic thing about these uh so-called stability stools is that um like I'm essentially oscillating like a pendulum back and forth <laughs> I've never felt so unbelievably unstable <laughs> in they're my entire life they're good for your core supposedly allegedly okay well that's good i'm going to come out of this interview uh, with a six pack which i hadn't intended i'll display it on the social media you can see like how awesome my six pack is after this interview anyway uh, enough about that uh, emma, emma unless you want to paint it of course which, which <laughs> <laughs> uh, would be ideal but yeah okay so emma is um she's a visual artist but um her work is, is it's exceptionally unique in many ways i uh, will go into the intricacies of it uh, in just a moment but first of all emma Talk to us a little bit about your your background, so your alma mater. Where where did you start um, off? Yeah, I went to Pratt Institute, and that's when I moved to Brooklyn. 
Um, and I studied, I went into wanting to go into medical illustration, um, but I got really sick of that. I got kind of obsessed with, um, I know, the idea of like classical painting. I was really interested in, at the time, really interested in the Italian Renaissance painters and, uh, you know, this like gorgeous rendering of flesh. So that's, I switched my major and I studied painting and... Yeah. So when you went into Pratt Institute, like mm-hmm. you were specifically, you, you specifically came in with the outlook that you wanted to do medical painting? Uh, medical illustration, okay, which so is like scientific illustration. Oh. It's for textbooks and, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. educational or informational, things like that. Um, and I wasn't dead set on it, but I applied to the illustration program at Pratt and got in. I think it's probably, my dad's a biologist, so I was around that kind of imagery a lot, and I don't know. I think it was a little bit random. I just, I knew I wanted to do art, so that's, that that was was the, that was the impetus. (laughs) Well, it's like an incredible, like, synthesis of, like, you know, like, your, your background being, like, immersed in, in the sort of biological, sort of, I don't know, capsule, yeah. and then wanting to like paint as well. It seems like a per- it seemed like a perfect synthesis of the two. Yeah, especially because it's I mean, go- interest in biology. I don't think it's that far off and from an interest in bodies and people. And I've always been interested in the figure. I've I've always painted the figure. The figure. So. Um. Okay. So yeah, I suppose that like dovetails nicely into our into our next sort of topic which is the actual content of what you of what you produce um so yeah the, the stuff that you do is like ultimately figurative um you do but you I was I was gonna say the human but I I think that's not necessarily the best way to I sort call of them sum- human still lives because because I think I've I'm not interested in painting flesh anymore um it's become more about uh like uh, like avatars really so let's transcendence of yes the biology so that's kind of where this has all wound up um it's almost come full circle like this starting off wanting to do anatomical illustration and now I've come approaching it from a, the same thing from this like totally like futurist yeah I mean yeah. I, I don't know it's like after looking at, at all of your work it's kind of like a what I can like maybe classify as like a meta realism or something or like a mm-hmm. an inverted realism or something where you like actually take like the digital world because obviously we're so immersed in the digital world and we see so many digitally rendered figures and you physically recreate them which is just like a really unique approach you know like most people when they're rendering figures they do it digitally and then leave it at that but you take it to that next level bring it back into the real world yeah in the physical world um I mean I'm I love the idea of painting I I'm not just interested in image making it's specifically painting and so like being you know like this interest in like classical painting and being trained classically and working these very traditional mediums um, I'm interested in art history and this canon of this very, very old medium. Um, and with that, I'm interested in kind of the artist-muse relationship, which you come across a lot in art history. Um, I had a really... 
I don't, I don't know, figure painting, you wind up just, you, you wind up thinking about the muse as a female because there are, throughout the course of art history, there's, um, it's male painters painting their female muses. Yeah. So, I mean, I... <laughs> but, like, how would you define your muse? Okay, because, like, there's always this, like, romantic connotations that are attached to, like, a muse, you know? Yeah. That, like, I mean, like, that, that the muse, whoever it may be, um, and obviously we're coming from a, from a retrospective angle here, like, historically, the muse has always been female, it's always had good romantic connotations, but, like, yours are not even necessarily human like gendered yeah you know so like one mightn't necessarily see instantaneously like any romantic connotations attached to your work so like what is your muse what is it about it that's captivating you I don't know if it's necessarily romantic but it's this idea of um I don't know if it's I mean it's like an alter ego in a way um not just that it like the idea of an avatar it's like you know then going back to transcending biology it's i mean this newer series um this one girl on black i've been calling her mickey and it's just kind of an arbitrary name but uh, (laughs) i i've been painting i've been working with this one model i mean i've got these three paintings and literally like hundreds of screenshots on my computer and so i feel like i'm like getting to know her a little bit and maybe she is me and maybe she is not me and um and she can kind of evolve and she can change and i can mess with her and change what she's a shapeshifter so so do you, do you feel like that like maybe after because you you feel committed to using the term muse do you feel like that maybe like a muse historically like has always been this like idea of projection like a little bit of an obsession and people projecting what they feel about this what they think about this person their demeanor their like entire like existence coming well, from the self yeah i think there's like um well, when I look at art history, there is this very frustrating kind of um, misogyny attached to it. Uh, if you look at, you know, much older painting, you see that a lot of the time the woman is unaware that she's being watched. There's like this very voyeuristic thing. Yeah. And then later into, you know, later into the 19th century, you see that there's like eye contact that starts to happen. And so at least then we have this woman who is aware that she is being watched and now I just want to take like the logical next step, which is like yeah. not only does she know that she is being watched, she is also p- performing, which is what I think the current state of like feminist art is now. You know, like people, like women who are like reclaiming um, their 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 gaze, really. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah taking control over their gaze. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and. Yeah, so that's that's basically, I don't know. I never considered my art connected to feminism, you know, all throughout college, and now it's just becoming this thing where I literally can't avoid discussing it. So, and I pretty much paint like strictly women, at least for right now, and it's, um, I think it is all it's all connected to that. I I feel like the muse who is performing deserves a chance to. Speak through painting. For yeah, a while. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So, okay, Mickey, <laughs> when at what point in the relationship that you developed with this, like this, is essentially this avatar, mm-hmm. um, when did you decide to like, I don't know, give her a name? Um, 
really, I just named her when I had, when I was going through my computer at all of the different stills I've taken of her, um, because, um, I mean, my process involves, I'm, I'm building, I'm building compositions in a 3D program, and then I'm able to, you know, rather than have my, uh, figure model standing in front of me, um,
So like, okay, let's talk about your, yeah. your process because that that's interesting. Um, <laughs> if in, if uh, like when you anyone listening actually look at the work that that Emma has done, you'll see that the the actual like composition of her work looks like it's been generated in a 3D program. And this was something that really like struck me. Um, as I said again, it, it feels like it's like the digital you know getting a physical representation, which is is, is obviously a very unique concept. But, like, the main question that I had for her was, like, were these figures actually, you know, rendered in a 3D program like Maya or, like, Blender or any of those? And the answer is yes, they were. Mm-hmm. Or they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, talk to us a little bit about, about that. Um, I guess it's just uh, coming from this, like, traditional background of painting, um, I worked from the figure for a really long time. Um, and I, I started figure modeling actually, and I still do that from time to time. It's one of my favorite things to do to pose for drawing classes. Um, but it got me thinking about this kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, I got tired of rendering flesh. Um, I just felt like everything that was going to be said with neoclassical figure painting has already been said, and it's been said by a bunch of white dudes. So how do I make this thing my own? And I have I have this like real desire to be able to render realistically. I like to look at something and paint from something that I'm looking at. And, um, you know, I could, you know, make drawings and, you know, from my imagination and do that. But I, I just, I like being able to look at the way the light bounces off something and, you know, work with that. Um, and, and so like analyze it in, in your own time as opposed to like actually being right. like the pressure of time passing. And yeah. Yeah. And be able to, to, you know, save, you know, stills of it. Um, and so, uh, working in a 3d program offered me a solution to that because I can work with the models that stay there. Um, but what wound, what wound up happening with that is I wound up, I realized, well, I've got I've got this incredible tool I can work with now. So I started uh, manipulating the figures, um, and that's where some of these like hybrid animal paintings started happening. Um, yeah. Okay. Hybridity is is going to be one of the yeah. next next things that we <laughs> definitely talk about. But uh, um, in like insofar as like you creating a physical figure mm-hmm. in. Uh, what is it? What program do you it, use? I'm using Cinema 4D. Um, okay. For, yeah, for now that's what I'm using. And, like, how, how does it all begin? Do you just get, like, some sort of, like, a sort of digital dough and then, like, sculpt a figure or...? Um, sometimes, yeah, you can... That's one way to do it. I've used that for elements of it. Um, I have a motion tracking device I use that has a sculpting program on it. Um, and so I've used that a few times, um, but largely what it is, and this is how I learned to use the program, was um, I downloaded a lot of uh, pre-existing material, like uh, just open source from the internet. Um, there's literally hundreds of websites where you can, where people just will uh, upload, and it's like this sharing platform. It's very, very cool. Um, also, NASA has released like hundreds of files. Like go uh, NASA, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> that's a lot of juicy content right there. Yeah, and so essentially, what it is is it's like a Photoshop collage, but it's in three D. Um, and that was a really good way for me to not only use the program but also figure out um, that I was 
kind of becoming more interested in uh, basically the way that humans represent themselves on a computer. So that is, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> so did you, like, in college, like, did you actually use this tool or is this, like, post-college, reali- um, a post-college realization? It happened really, like, right when I was graduating. It's kind of unfortunate in a way. Um, (laughs) I was painting the figure and painting the figure and just kind of realizing, like, more and more that I didn't want to paint, like, the people, you know? I didn't want to do portraiture anymore. It seemed, like, too finite or something. Yeah, and so um, at the behest of this incredible professor that I had, um, Greg Drassler, he's a Guggenheim fellow, uh, he encouraged me to work with technology a little bit kind of sensing that I was moving into uh, different kinds of textures that were not necessarily flesh or skin um and so my thesis project involved working uh with um playboy centerfolds like these like naked female bodies and warping them on a scanner and doing um paintings and drawings based off of that and uh his advice to me as I graduated was basically you need to you need to keep working with technology you need to find some kind of bridge between this and your your painting skills so college worked for you it worked it worked for me (laughs) yeah Yeah, it worked it it took it took a little (laughs) while but it did eventually work for me um and and when he said that I was like yeah right I don't I'm not like a tech artist um and I still don't know if I would consider myself that. I consider myself a painter that works with technology. But it's been totally organic, and I could not have ever imagined that this is where I would totally wind up. Yeah. Digital cucumber or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we were just talking about a cool organic store down the road. I wonder if they have any digital cucumbers projected on the wall. Mm, I'll yeah. put in the suggestion box. Yeah, that's our, that's our dream shop right there. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so next fascinating element to your work, which um, particularly strikes me, so this could be a little bit of a, of a selfish question, um, <laughs> but I'm sure lots of our listeners are also very curious about this. Um, hybridity seems to be like a massive theme in your work, so you, like, you tend to like synthesize two elements, but mostly organic elements, like of two organisms. And you consolidate them into one mm-hmm. entity. So, what? Where is where is the obsession with that? Um, I think like it was a it. These hybrid animal human forms were definitely a product of just. It's an example of when your tool kind of changes your subject matter. Um, so working within this 3D program, I was like, why, why do I have to just work with, you know, like a human head? I can, I mean, I have absolute freedom here, you know? And I started kind of acting as like the, this, like the God of my own little universe that I was doing. And I was like, you know, having like all these like thoughts about like biblical thoughts, you know, Genesis or whatever. Okay. And then I went, um... I went to the Museum of Natural History and I took a little bit of mushrooms and I had this realization um, because I was looking at the Egyptian... You had a horse body. You were like, oh my God. (laughs) I was like, I am one of them. How am I going to paint? I have hoops. I was like... (laughs) 
know. Oh, I was. God. I had this epiphany when I was looking at the ancient Egyptian art, and the ancient Egyptians have all of these hybridized forms. Um, and I was, you know, reading the plaque, you know, this like bird head man. And I, it's like, these are their gods. So basically the way that they represent that this is the highest uh, level entity is that they are shapeshifters and they can, you know, change their appearance at will. And I started thinking, you know, we are digitizing ourselves and we have reached that point. We are the gods and goddesses of our universe. And so this was, this kind of really helped me kind of figure out why I was painting while I was painting why yeah. I was painting because it was a mystery to me for a it's while it's kind of like prospective mythology yeah you know I mean, I mean like, we, we are literally involved in mythology right now it's it's total it's totally wacky well the int- yeah I mean the, the the cyber realm is ultimately it can be as mythological as you want it to be yeah do you know what I mean all the gods reside on Instagram now and like god only knows what they do in photoshop you know what I'm saying like, yeah and like <laughs> you know it's somewhere in the future we will be like the ancient ones like making these like weird hieroglyphs like what is this what yeah what is this I mean like just to paint you a picture sorry that was like a really unintended intentional pun there but uh like, <laughs> <laughs> I know so good um yeah I'm just gonna like implement like a clapping foley sort of artist uh, tool there uh but yeah I'm facing actually speaking of hybridity like our accents mixed together sounds like a really nice uh, little cocktail of hybridity your American accent and my Irish accent yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> my like just very it's like a minor language. tour like except in audio form it's kind of cool um no but just to paint you a picture I'm facing what I'm facing right now is a roughly like a meter and a half by a meter canvas that's um that has a like what kind of bird is like a hawk or it's a flamingo. No, it's a flamingo. Of it, it could be a hawk. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Of course, I go with a really ominous bird instead of the beautiful, like beachy bird. Um. Okay. So it's like a, a flamingo head with this like absolutely like like stunningly positioned like female body lying on a on a palm tree, which would give away the flamingo head actually. Um. Yeah. So that is that is what I am looking at right now, and I've never I've never seen something so elegant in in my life. Actually, and it's also quite metallic. It's metallicized. So, like, how, like, how did you get that um, that um, effect? Is that a difficult thing to achieve? No, it's not. It might give the illusion of being metallic, but it's um, it's because I do this. I do a monochromatic underpainting with, you know, because it, it looks kind of silvery, and then I glaze over it with these with the colors, so it's actually a, it looks like a black and white painting. Really? Yeah, that's a classical painting thing I picked no. up. <laughs> yeah. No, stop. <laughs> I, I, uh, that just sounds so counterintuitive. That is incredible that you're taking like, like an actual approach, physical approach, and making it look so cybernetic. It's a really interesting time yeah. to be a painter. It's like you don't have to just paint what is physically available to you anymore, and most people don't, I think. It's a really interesting time to be a painter.
Okay, so color wise, you tend to like stick to to this combination of like the black. You use a lot of black, but then you use like such a wealth of color as well. But it's more on the sort of pastel side. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's largely a reaction to uh, just using like classical like flesh yeah. tones and earth tones for a long time. I was like, I'm. I don't like this. I'm not very good at this. So how do I do? I mean, I just want to do something like totally different, and I wanted it to be like very clearly not of this world. And I mean, the black is just um, black was because I just didn't use any black for for years and years and years. I didn't own a tube of black paint. And, um, so you just I was like, that's kind of weird. Maybe I should use some black. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, also like, um, wanting to work with, um, with shadow and, uh, like, l- like really intense lighting, which is also a nod to classical painting, you know, like Caravaggio and all that chiaroscuro. Yeah. There needs to be like an exhibition which displays like your paintings beside Caravaggio's paintings because like, my God. Yeah. I think that would be a great show too. That would be like Who do I talk to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh my goodness me. That's, that's hysterical. Um, okay. So, um, talk just about some of the stuff that you've done, like exhibition wise. Have you ever curated anything? No, I haven't. I I mean, I think about it often, mm. but I mean, I can barely keep my own shit straight, to be honest. Um, it's definitely something I'd like to do in the future, and also really like to collect art eventually. Yeah, it's like that will a definite happen, goal. Next, yeah. next stage. Um, okay, but like, like you say, you wanna create curate art? Do you feel like that curation as a, as a process or is an art form in itself? Yeah, I think artists by nature are collectors, which is why a lot of them. Wine. I mean, collectors of everything. I I would call myself a hoarder necessarily, but I do. I like. I have little collections over time. When I was a little kid, I collected little pig figurines. This is when I was a little child, so I wasn't even trying to be campy. I was just. I I felt I know, the urge. The best thing did little analyzing yeah. one as a child is almost like the, the the most true way. Yeah. Um. And like collecting like pebbles and seashells, and I've always had these little collections. And um. So I don't know. I guess it makes sense that a lot of artists wind up being curators, and I I don't know. I I I've given I've thought about it before, but yeah. never never yeah. seriously. It'll get there. I think that that I, is probably yeah. something that develops over time. I'm being a little selfish yeah. in my in my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially being a bit selfish. So okay, well then let's, let's talk about some of the stuff that you've done because like for someone who's so like fresh off the boat, you're you're so young and like you've literally only been out of college like two or three years, is it? At this point, oh, like I graduated in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, so oh wow! Yeah, I guess it was a while, or not that long no, ago. No, yeah, feels like it's been ages. Um, well, for someone who's who's only been like I, such a short amount of time, you've you've done quite a considerable amount of stuff. So, like, do you want to talk to us about some of the things that you've done? Um, perhaps maybe the most recent thing that you've done. Sure. Um, the most recent, most recently, I just had a show wrap up at um, Gallery Man K, which is a, a Bushwick Gallery at the Fifty Six Bogart Building, where all those other galleries are, um, and that was really cool. It was uh, curated by the owner George, and uh, a lot of artists I really admire. Uh, uh, 
Claire Javert and um, Michael Belacqua and Bevelacqua and uh, Jeremy Couillard, who is working in virtual reality, actually. And I mean, all of the artists involved, including myself, are kind of doing the fine art, digital art, straddling the fence type of deal. And so it's really, really cool to be included in that. Um, because I'm a big fan of several of the other artists involved, so it's very, very cool. Um, and what's been your like your favorite exhibition to date? Like where where you felt like that your concepts like had a massive resonance? Definitely one of the coolest things I have ever been involved in uh, was working with a neuroscientist named Trisha McKenzie, who I did my first like solo exhibition with. Um, out of her space that she was running at the time. Um, and so she's a neuroscientist that works uh, specifically with uh, creativity in the brain of artists. Um, so she was doing a project that she was kind enough to involve me in. She's, I was the second of um, a handful of artists she was using to collect pilot data for a project she was doing, trying to, like, she was using an EEG device, which is one of these mm. headdresses you wear that have all these different nodes, and they track your brain activities. So she would come over and, like, hook me up to that thing, and then she'd just, like, sit there and watch me paint for a couple hours. Oh, and okay. so she was, we she wound up having to throw out a lot of the data because the uh, because the device is a little bit faulty and what oh, she's that's doing. Really <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, she's doing a lot of incredible work. She's, uh, she's actually, she's working in pioneer technology right now. So, um, but the paintings that I made while I was working with her, she wound up displaying alongside the data out of her space. So that was very, very cool. And also was having me think more about, you know, painting versus t painting and technology. Um, do you feel like that when you were actually under like the like the process or like the, the 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 examination or whatever that perhaps there was like an external impact into how you were like performing creatively? Um I mean, yeah. I mean, it's I mean <laughs> I, I I mean, that's almost inevitable perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I mean, things definitely got a little more, like, science-y, techy while I was working with Trisha. Um, I wound up doing... This is while I was still working with those scans, because um, I continued to do that for a, little, a while out of college. Um, and this was a series I did that was just skeletons, um, which, you know, logical step before I just, <laughs> just start working with these, you know, human still lives, as I'm calling them. Um, skeletons with, like, tails and, like, nine legs, I'm sure. I'm well, they were completely <laughs> warped. I kind of, they were, like, kind of, like, liquefied and all, like, wavy and weird. And, I mean, definitely just working with, working on that and, you know, also having, you know, my brainwaves analyzed got me really thinking about, like, what is even being a person anymore <laughs> and you know like and I'd like I'd be like looking at my painting and I'd like turn around every once in a while to like 
look at her and she'd be looking at her computer screen and I'd be looking at her screen and seeing what my brain was doing while I was looking at what my brain was doing. It's like feedback loop and it was it was really, really weird. And then I'd go back to painting. So yeah, I'm sure that influenced Do you what still I have the paintings like really? No, I sold all of them. What? <laughs> I don't have Whoa, any left. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, I would have bought a work skeleton if I had known you then. <laughs> I have some photos I can do. <laughs> okay, well, actually on that note, on is there anything that you feel like you wanna add? I feel like that we literally we've juiced a lot of stuff out of it and we're running out of time pretty quick. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything <laughs> off the top of my Okay, head. <laughs> well, uh, you can always um, check Emma's Emma's work out on her website, um, which is also a really funny website. That typeface of your name is just like <laughs> absolutely hysterical. I change it like once a year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like my fun little thing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like your stocking filler. You're like, oh, new typeface, I'm ready to go. Digital stocking, like a new font. Digital stocking. Yeah. Yeah, wow. digital stocking, a new font pops out. Um, yeah, anyway, that's that's for all the cyborgs uh, of the future, or mm-hmm. of the now. Those are all cyborgs at this point. But um, yeah, okay, so check out Emma's website, that's Emma T. Stern. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna ask where the T comes from, but I assume it's your middle name. Yeah, <laughs> it's Tamar. Tamar? I mean, like, you don't get. M A R. Tamar, Tamar. I don't even know how to pronounce it. That's like Nobody calls me that. Well, everybody, tomorrow, not a common name in Ireland, so you'll definitely remember that. But uh, yeah, that's emmatistern.com. Emmatistern.com, yes. I'll never forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's enough from us from uh, Fanfato on Dublin Digital Radio. Um, I'm Sophie Murphy, and until next time, you can uh, find us with our next artist. Who will that be? I'm going to keep it a mystery. But yeah, okay, until next time, goodbye, Dublin and New York. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Bye.
Deeper, the 